Welcome everyone to this very special edition podcast series on the 2020 Bitcoin halving brought to you by our friends at Bitstamp, the original global cryptocurrency exchange. Since 2011, Bitstamp's been the preferred exchange for serious traders and investors everywhere, trusted by over 4 million customers, including top financial institutions. Check them out because they've got some serious professional grade trading technology, including matching engine from NASDAQ, some of the best APIs in the industry and TradeView, their advanced trading interface with live charting and deep analytical tools available on web and mobile. Join 4 million traders and download the Bitstamp app from the App Store or Google Play, or visit bitstamp.net slash pro to get started. That's bitstamp.net slash pro. And for Bitstamp users, we've got a special. Masari is now offering 25% off Masari Pro, our professional grade crypto analytics toolkit with best in class research and advanced tools to help you identify your next investments. Head over to masari.io and use the offer code Bitstamp to get ahead of the crypto curve. That's masari.io, offer code Bitstamp. With that, let's dive right in. This episode's going to be a good one. All right, everyone, welcome back to Masari's Unqualified Opinions. I'm Ryan Selkis, at 2-Bit Idiot, with a special friend, fellow BC Eagle and veteran crypto trader, Dan Matuszewski, who's the uh, one of the co-founders and partner at CMS Holdings. He is the former head of Circle Trade, the OTC trading desk at Circle. He has been around the block. He and I knew each other way back in 2013 when I first got into the industry, and he was already a grizzled vet uh, working with our friend Alec uh, at Bay Hill Capital uh, back in the very, very early, hairy, gnarly days of, of crypto trading and even before 2013, 2012 variety. Were you in 2011? No. Well, I mean, like I knew about it, but I had, no, yeah. I had no action on it. We, so I said this before, like we used to talk about it on the desk at Bay Hill for like years before we like ever did anything with it. And it was just mm-hmm. kind of like this weird sideshow thing. We'd be like, oh, like it's got some value now. Like it's weird. Like we didn't act on it obviously as early as we should have, but it just seemed to be like a thing that we knew and was like around. I don't know. It was, a, it was kind of an odd, like there was no like definitive point where I'm like, oh, like I discovered this and it was like the moment. It was just kind of there. And we just like, I don't know. We shot the shit around it. So um, this this series that we're doing is, is specifically around the Bitcoin having um, this time around. You know, what does it mean? Does it mean anything? Is it kind of lost um, its luster? And um, and so you know, let's start at the beginning with you um, just shooting the shit on the the desk at Bay Hill. Um, first having is late 2012. Where um, where were you in the kind of journey down the rabbit hole? Uh, was 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 this kind of the first having still pre? Uh, you guys taking it seriously? What, when when did this start to come into focus? We definitely weren't taking it seriously. It just wasn't big enough. Um, like it was still just too small an asset class. So we, the people on the desk had personally gotten involved in it, but we weren't doing anything in any like capacity. We never really did a ton in like a real buttoned up capacity in the fund, mostly for like compliance reasons. It was never clear we could, but like we definitely had some exposure to it, um, like individually, but we were really just like sort of following it along as like, this is a cool, like the same way you would like take a bet on something. And like, everybody was like, like we used to do weird stuff too, right? Like somebody find some random company and we'd like buy it. And like, it was just like a lottery ticket. And this was kind of like the same bucket that this whole thing was in for a while. Um, mm-hmm. Until like it started to get a little bit bigger and a little bit like realer as like a, not a movement, but like as an asset class that was like investable. Like mm-hmm. the, the real key turning point, at least for me, was like when we started, um, providing liquidity to some of the exchanges. 
And this was like around the bit floor, early Kraken. I think we were on Kraken. Like as soon as we got started, we we're like pumping out a two way on that thing. Um, and that was like when we were like, we're firmly committed to it as like something we were going to do. But even then it was tiny. Like the notionals were small. Like we were hoping we would make, make a couple grand, maybe a month. Like it wasn't like a real big shot in it, but it, mm-hmm. so to be fair, um, Alec, the guy who was the main sort of figure at Bay Hill, he was around when the Euro got created. So like mm-hmm. his initial thing on this thing, whole thing was like, look, like I've seen the birth of a currency before. Like I've gone through this. Like he was making markets in the options pit for euros. And he was like, I get this. Like this makes a ton of sense to me, like how this could like evolve. And he's like, but this thing's got to go a lot higher. He's like, if this thing's going to be like real as a currency. And this is, this was back. I think when everybody was like sort of still treating it as like a currency and then like had like a payment angle that hadn't like completely died. So he's like, it's got to go just higher. He's like, it doesn't make sense. It's like a base to anything at like these levels. So his like whole thesis mm-hmm. was like, we could trade around it, but you should just be long it. Like that's kind of, he's like, it doesn't make sense here. Like if it's going to be a thing and you're going to make money on the trading side anyway, you should just be long it, which was right. Yep. It was a hundred percent like the right like aspect of it. So um, that worked out for a lot of guys like sort of on the desk. Um, so when, um, so I guess 2013, then you start taking it a little bit more seriously and, and, and thinking about it at, at a fun level. Um, there's, a, there's a few years in between here um, when you're coming up the Bitcoin learning curve. What were, what were some of the things that made you go full hook, line, and sinker? Because Bay Hill was not just crypto, um, but no, obviously you made, it, the deci- you, you made the shift pretty, pretty quickly to, uh, to circle up in Boston. Yeah. So actually I did a spin at Kraken for six months in the interim. So, um, yeah, before Jeremy had even raised any money. Um, so I guess it also, like we never actually traded crypto out of Bay Hill. Um, it was all like done side pocketed. Like we had like, uh, I like effectively ran like a family office, like on the side. So like we would do stuff through that. And then like, we were all like individually trading, but like there for compliance reasons, it just, we never touched it in the fund. We did look at potentially doing some equity investments in a bunch of companies at the time, which is how we got to new Kraken really well. And then obviously we like put some markets on that thing when it got out, but it was like, it was just, it was way back. Like this was Silk Road was like the main thing people knew about Bitcoin. Like those were indistinguishable for like most people where one was and the other like ended. So like it was way worse than it was now. And also it was probably impossible to have banking back then. Cause like, if you remember, remember Coinbase got that silver gate, uh, not silver gate, uh, Token Valley Bank account, and mm-hmm. they just like dominated the U.S. scene. Like it was impossible to hold down like a U.S. bank. Like every exchange that we were dealing with that had a bank at some point was like losing it overnight. And we knew that our own banking would get shut down. And like we're not gonna put the whole fund at risk because like we want to like do some Bitcoin trade. Like it just like in the opportunity cost like wasn't there either. So that's really why that never became like a big thing. And banking was a huge problem for. 2013, 2014, 2015, until Silvergate really became a dominant force and started taking the action, it like was bad. Cause like it was, the Coinbase ends up losing SVB, right? They go to Metropolitan and then Metropolitan gets swapped out with like Silvergate. So anyway, like it, was, it was a dicey time for banking on that side. But anyway, so when Bitcoin runs up, so actually even before that, so I was making markets on a bunch of exchanges. Um, it was like Bitfloor, it was Gox, it was like Kraken. There was a couple other smaller ones that died. Can't be actually used to do a bunch on. I don't even know what happened to them. But um, and Bitstamp, a handful in there. Um, so we were we were. I was pretty active on the trading side, and the notional started getting bigger going to like that first 2013 run. 
right? So like that big jump up, I was like, all right, there's something here. There's enough that you can potentially carve out a career. But that being said, there's no active trading role that's going to make sense. I was like, there's just only a handful of investable corporates that are out there that are making enough money or could potentially make money. And they were all exchanges, right? Like those were the only dominant models that were like doing anything. Like even the desk that's Genesis now that was part of second market, like it was a side piece of like their much bigger desk that they were like operating and still trading like auction rate securities and like Mm -hmm. other stuff on. So I'm like, all right, where am I going to go if I like really want to do this? And and the other backdrop of this is like Bay Hill is like, they're not doing poorly. They're not doing well. It's just kind of like floating. So the, Backdrop of that is Bay Hills Fund was like what's called volatility arbitrage, which would have made a killing actually in the last like four or five months. But otherwise, it like kind of like grind down. And like the whole way it really makes money is their vol, which is like being options, are underpriced in names that are historically low vol, right? Like your big giant corporates like J and J and Am, like well not Amazon because it like kind of flies around, but like companies that you don't think really move and are boring. Like the vol is really cheap, right? But you go and look at like a high flyer, like a tech stock, like randomly, like AMD, right? Like it's going to be really expensive to buy options. But when the world blows up, as we saw three or four weeks ago, everything just kind of dies at once, right? Like everything goes down and beta becomes one, right? So like the world falls apart and vol converges amongst all those names, right? It just gets really expensive across the board. So you end up making a ton of money because you're long all this like options on these boring stocks that never move that are suddenly whipping around and then you're shorted on these like high flying names, but they're just moving around a ton as they always move around a ton. So anyway, that strategy is really good when the world's falling apart. And that was like great in 08, 09 in the financial crisis. And I got hired on the back of that. So I get started in 2010 and basically market just grinds up like 15 basis points a day indefinitely for years, right? Until basically three months ago. So it was just kind of slowly grinding up a little bit. And like, I was looking for another opportunity was a big thing on this. So I was like, crypto is interesting. I'm young. I can take a flyer on this. Let's just see what's out there. And I'd gotten to know Jesse really well at Kraken from the trading activity. I think like at the height was doing something like 25% of like the aggregate volume on Kraken. Um, So like knew him pretty well, like was in touch about like issues that we'd had with the exchange. So like, issues with deposits, withdrawals, order entry bugs, like yada, yada. Um, and I was like, Hey, like, like, what are you guys doing? Like, what are the plans? I went out to a conference in San Francisco. I think it was like the coin alts conference and met up with him. And he's like, Hey, we're looking to hire a trader. Would you ever be interested? And I was like, jackpot. Like, yeah, like I'm in like, so I'll do this. So went to work for Kraken for six months. And then on, I was living in Boston still at the time. I haven't really left. And I was going out to San Fran for like a month coming back. And Jeremy and Sean raised at series a, and it was like super secretive. It was like, it was a Bitcoin startup, but it wasn't a Bitcoin startup. And like, nobody really knew what's going on, but I shot him an email and I was like, Hey, I'm in Boston doing this. Like, there's not probably a lot of people that are like doing this. Like we should at least like be in touch, got to know them and eventually like parlayed that into like a job. So I left Kraken, went to work for them. And that was a better fit. Cause like it was local. Like I hated working from home. It was like a nightmare. Like, and I was like three hours removed. It was just like a much better fit. So and like, like love the Kraken guys death, like still talk a lot with them, like very happy with like, and they've been massively successful, like much more than I ever like thought that thing was going. 
But uh, so anyway, that, that was how I like landed at Circle and then traded there for the last got like five years I probably put in through there. And then the most recent thing is spun out with Bobby and a guy named Julian who worked even with me at Bay Hill and like started up CMS. So that's like sort of my range. So it's like back of 2012 to like now um, mm-hmm. is my origin into this whole thing. So, but, so basically, um, good way to uh, sum, uh, sum up. Um, uh, completely oblivious, really, to the first having. It was just kind of a non-issue. Is this? It was this oh, we know that there's a there's a 21 million max limit, and and it's fun to trade, and it's the birth of a currency. But really, you know, it's 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 not really a huge event. It was so inconsequential in yeah. the trading activity because it was so demand driven, right? Like the price was so cheap that like any single person looking to like come in and buy half a million dollars of Bitcoin was going to like just bully it around. So like while the supply mattered, like for a longer term sort of thesis, it was just, it was so driven day to day by chunky random order flow. And like, like you'd get like a headline on like Bloomberg and like the price would shoot up 15%. Like it was just randomly getting shocked all over the place. And the plumbing was really bad in terms of like the piping for like getting cash and stuff around. Like the having mattered, but it mattered a lot less than I think the demand side of the equation mm-hmm. at that time. So, mm-hmm. um, so the, uh, I fast forward a couple of years, you're at Circle, um, and the industry is obviously a hell of a lot different, right? There's hundreds of millions of venture capital raised, a lot of that by Circle uh, and Coinbase and Kraken and, and some of the other major players. Um, but we just come off the uh, 2015 bear market, and that one was was actually you know an existential threat to many yeah. of the, the top businesses in the space. Um, what towards towards the end of that cycle, um, when did you start to get the sense that you know we could see another rally, and 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 how did the narrative around that 2016 having come into play, if at all? Because um, this is. Uh, kind of a, a, a black box for a lot of people. Like we were thinking about today's having, um, we think about these as big milestones. You look at them kind of after the fact and you say, um, well, this is, you know, this is clearly like an N of two, but it's still a pretty clear correlation between the, um, the yeah. demand and supply shocks that happen around these events. Did you feel that at the time or, or was this just like, yeah. how did this play into the trading strategy? So like, I think, this is so just as like on a side, like the problem with like all these event driven things and like crypto, besides the fact that there's like not a lot of them is like Bitcoin's just gone up. Right. So like whatever signal you have, if you like extrapolate out three, six, 12 months, like it's gone up. Like, yeah, like th- this is like a real issue that I find with all these people that are like making all these models is like whatever your signal was like, chances are like Bitcoin went up after it. So it's like, I get it, but like the thing's just been a rocket ship for the last existence of it right so 11 years or whatever the heck we're on like now like so i i find a lot of those arguments like this thing is the reason it like went up is like so it's noise a lot but that being said like i think you hit it on the head like where like there was this existential crisis going on with a lot of companies like 2014 2015 like it was terrible like it was bad like people were like puking it they were like this is dead you started hearing this like all around people they were like yeah, we're in Bitcoin, but we just like don't care about the price. Or they'd be like, yeah, we use it for like payment rails, but like we don't have exposure to like the pricing. It was weird. Like 
corporates were trying to do everything they could to make it seem like they didn't have exposure to it because mm -hmm. it was just getting crushed constantly. So you had to like, it became toxic to like be trying to like be long it as like a corporate, like it was hard. And especially if you were trying to like raise financing, you couldn't make it seem like you were like super tied to it. There was like that big corporate that blew out on Bitstamp, right? That like big bear whale instant, like that mm -hmm. was supposedly somebody who took like a big chunk of their financing from their venture round and stuck it in coin. Won't comment on who I think it is, but like it, it was bad. Well, to, to, to tell, tell people uh, that don't remember about the bear whale, because this is, this is a, so, a part of uh, trading lore in and of itself. I, I wish I was better with dates. Everything gets real fuzzy. But um, so somebody just starts walking Bitstamp down, right? And when I say walking down, it's like they just are selling pretty much like agnostic to like what's going on in the market for like, I don't, I don't know, a couple of days, right? They're slamming and they're like putting really big offers, slamming bids. So clearly somebody's working at a risk. And we get to... I got it. It was 300, right? That was the price. I'm like pretty sure it was 300. And yep. they just say like, I don't care anymore. And they put the whole thing out as one offer. And it's a ton of coin. Like in today, it isn't a ton of dollars, but at the time it was massive. So there's just a it was, huge, it was, it was, it was a huge sell wall. It was, it was, it was 30,000 Bitcoins at $300 each. Okay. So yeah. Nine, $9 million was enough to be uh, considered a bear wall. Huge. Huge. Um, and like in, in 2014. I, and the problem was it happened over a weekend because you couldn't get cash to Bitstamp fast enough. And like everybody's calling up Bitstamp being like, advance me credit, advance me credit. Like I'm trying to like buy this thing. But it, so it was chaos. But like that was supposedly a corporate that had to puke a bunch because the price had gone down so much and they needed runway. Um, yeah. So like, but just a monster, huge one offer wall that eventually gets chewed through. But it was just chaos. But like crap like that was happening all through 14, 15, just of like people getting blown out of it. And like that was largely a demand side problem, right? Like it's $9 million. Like you could get that now, but it was hard back then. Like there's not really a ton of real money flowing into this thing. Pantera was like the only like big name fund that was like chucking money around. And they were already a risk on and they were probably underwater on it on that time. So anyway, yeah, like that the backdrop of the having in 16 is it was terrible for like 18 months and it shook a lot of people and it was bad. So really anything you could rally around, people were like, I'm going to rally around this. Right. Like you had to like, it was so negative, like in the industry that like anything that would turn around, people were all over it. And which we definitely saw, right. People were like, Oh, having like it's happening. And like, that's self enforcing, right? Like if you build up enough, like momentum around something, it can like become its own like thing, right? Like this is like what I believe a lot of TA is, right? Like it's self-fulfilling in that sense. So that, we definitely saw people piling into that thing through that event, like it hundred percent happened. And it was like a good run up. And it, like, it also just had a really good bid for like three or four months into that thing. Like it traded really well right up into it. But then on the back half of it, Bitfinex gets hacked, right? If I remember this correctly, it's like not shortly after they get popped. And then that just sends the whole thing tumbling. But then it recovers pretty well from that. That coin still sits there. I don't think it's moved at all. Nobody's mm -hmm. touched that thing. So it effectively took another 100,000 coin out of circulation. Um, and then uh, it's like sort of off to the races. But like, again, it's about how much demand side there really is. And that's like impossible to really get a good grasp on in crypto. Like over like a long horizon, it's been up, right? Like there's net demand per day for crypto than there is the historical day. Like that's like sort of been the trend. 
And if you think about it, right, like that $9 million order was massive and like crushed everything. That's like what you have in inflation a day in Bitcoin. Like it's just crazy how much more capital like sort of has been allocated to this as like an asset class. Um, and as long as that, that aggregate demand that you have over like some quarterly or weekly or monthly like basis is more than your inflows of like inflation, like it's going to go up. Like the futures can whip it around in the short term because you can like synthetically sort of like create right volume. Like you can create not coin, but like you can put sales pressure on something without actually having it. But like, it's not, you're not going to fight that forever. Like if there's more bid on this thing, then there is like coming out in the pipe to get sold. Then yeah, it's going to, Gonna go. So like, I, I also think you can't just dismiss this thing. You can't just be like, it's, it's priced in, like people know about it. It's like, well, like you can know about it, but if there's more money flying in this thing, like I don't think, I don't see how it doesn't like go up. And considering we've been holding water for the last four years, like we should be fine. That being said, Bitcoin traded under 4,000 for, I don't know what, like four or five months, like maybe longer. Like it's completely possible that like, there's only enough cash to keep us at like 6,000. And like 3000 was like where it was balanced out. So like, I don't know, like it could balance either or, but as long as the trend is like in the favor of like more cash trying to get into this thing, than there is like before, like, yeah, it should go up. So I don't know. I'm, I think it's bullish and I think it's important. I just think it's really more though, as always like a bigger question on the demand side. Thanks to our sponsor, Bitstamp, for making this special halving series possible. Bitstamp's the original global crypto exchange. We're proud to be celebrating their third Bitcoin halving. Doesn't get much more OG than that. So 2011, Bitstamp's been the preferred exchange for serious traders and investors worldwide with over 4 million customers, including top financial institutions. They've got some serious trading tech, matching engine from NASDAQ, the best APIs in the industry, and TradeView, their advanced trading interface with live charting and deep analytical tools that are available on web and mobile. So you can join the 4 million traders on Bitstamp by downloading their app, the App Store or Google Play, or go to bitstamp.net slash pro to get started. And a reminder for Bitstamp users, Masari is now offering 25% off of Masari Pro, our professional analytics toolkit with best-in-class research and advanced tools to help identify your next investments using promo code BITSTAMP. That's masari.io, offer code BITSTAMP to get ahead of the crypto curve. So let's talk, yeah, I mean, I think as you get closer to the actual day itself, especially back um, in kind of first halving and second halving, but first halving probably didn't matter because it was still just so small from a nominal basis. Second halving was probably marginally more important. Um, but, you know, you you really, I think, have to talk about two timescales. One is like the six months around the halving where it does become a self-fulfilling prophecy or a meme of sorts to trade around. But there is the event itself and some of the dislocations that could create for mining, for just general shock, for kind of consistent buyers or consistent sellers. Um, what, um, you know, what were some of the kind of key trends that you saw as you, you know, on the, on the circle desk, we're interfacing daily with some of the largest miners, some of the other kind of largest exchange operators and, and, um, and OTC, you know, other OTC desks. Was there, um, what were, uh, if, if any of the kind of wacky supply and demand dynamics that happened around the mining cut in, in particular? Well, so our experience with like miners is that, I think like Nick Carter called this like pro cyclical or whatever, right? Like as the price goes up, they sell less. Like they tend to try to be as long crypto as they can be. 
And I should mm-hmm. say crypto because like they're, a lot of them are mining multiple things now. They're like big operations, but in general, they want as much risk to the underlying as they can. So like you get these situations where on the downside, they become distressed sellers. And on the upside, they just like pull all the, like the offers and you end up getting exacerbated moves up and down because of that flow. I'm, there is like the reality though, they just like net have less inventory coming in every day. And like we saw mm-hmm. this definitely on the back half of 2016, it was like harder to get larger chunks from miners, but it wasn't impossible to like, like we could find it elsewhere. Like it was on, like on exchange, it was like on screens, like we were able to like get it, but like that's a real sort of drain that comes in. I mean, we were buying a lot of coin every day just to like take care of like the retail app, um, let alone like OTC flow that we were seeing in. But like it was really driven any intraday sort of like movement on like how much was like bid, like how many people were like looking to get into it. Cause the miners like chunky, the flow's a little bit different. And like I said, like they tend to just exacerbate the moves. But if you want to talk about like events leading up into the having, like the one that's about to happen, people forget this, but, and I guess I forget cause it was like two months ago, but right before like the world fell apart with all this COVID stuff, the implied lending rate via the futures curve was like 40% on some of the Asian exchanges. I think it was like 30% on like CME. That is like kind of like the max leverage you're seeing the industry try to put on to be like long Bitcoin, right? That is like the most, like if you have a meter of like frothiness, like that's it right there. And it probably would have kept going into the like having, and we would have gotten this like just continued leveraging up into it and then probably a blowout, but they will die because the whole global economy just like went down. Right. So like Bitcoin had like this shock to it that really wasn't like in anybody's like plans and all that leverage got washed out of the system. Right. Like this is why there was just so many massive liquidations. I mean, you saw Mex's open interest go from like 1.1 billion to 350 million on like the bottom. That was a ton of leverage just getting sucked out of the system. So that was like the people putting on Bitcoin for the having trade and they all just got smoked. So it's going to be like real interesting to see how this thing, like, like I, I wouldn't say I was like, I, I feel, I feel bad for the people that are listening to this in their earphones. Cause they can't, they can't look at how giddy uh, you are. When, when, I'm not kidding. Look, it was painful. <laughs> like, I mean, like we own crypto, like we are a net long biased like shop. Like I was sitting there like not happy, but at the same time, I'm like, you can't, this asset class, it routinely is like 150, 200 ball product. You can't just like go 50 X and then like pray. Like, I mean, you can, but it's yeah. just like, it's not a great strategy. So I don't know. Like I have my, like if you're just like messing around and you're like, want to like gamble, like that's fine. But like, I don't know if you're running any material money, you get, I don't know. I they just think the risk controls in this industry in general are like want, but um, no, like, I mean that what, what happened post that, like that blow up, was so exacerbated by like the leverage that was forced in the system. And I think a lot of that was people trying to get long into the having think people were talking about it. Like, I'm pretty sure that was like a real trade that was happening. I thought a lot of that leverage was going to unwind post the habit, right? Like event mm-hmm. happens, supply drains up, like a lot of that leverage starts to unwind that sell pressure. That'll probably even out. And like, you won't see a lot of the air will come out of this thing post that. But now you've got basically like the most unowned rally of all time. Like futures basis was negative, meaning that you got paid to be long the entire way up. Like that's so rare that like you have a 2x rally off the lows and longs get paid the whole way through, right? So that means that you have a real cash market bid that's like buying versus like futures, which are levering the thing up. So you've had all this, like, get, so you get all these people that get washed out on like the leverage side long. 
there's no leverage like buying on like a way up for the most part because everybody is like now like it's manipulated it's going down it's like everybody's fighting the tape the whole way up so shorts are paying and then you're here basically where we started three months ago and now we get the having like i don't know it's weird that a trade i thought was going to be bearish on the back half is like suddenly bullish because of like the setup that happened the first two months before but this like also gives the point it's like you never know what's going to happen in markets in like any short period of time right like nobody saw this meltdown of everything and then the subsequent response like from fiscal and monetary policy i don't know mm -hmm. it, it's it's interesting but you definitely saw like just because the price didn't go up into the having doesn't mean people were try trying to like get long this thing as much as they possibly could they were just met with an exogenous shock that they like weren't planning for or mm -hmm. couldn't be planning for yeah crypto markets don't exist in a bubble um, yeah, yeah, like it's well, like there's, there's, look, there's people on the other side of these trades, right? Like there, there's people losing jobs. Like there's people who are getting decimated in whatever other asset class they have at the same time. So like, you can say it's uncorrelated, but like I said, this is what goes back to the Bay Hill thing. Like everything becomes beta one, like at some point, right? Like things get bad enough, like it's bad enough for everything. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess having said all that, right? You, you kind of talked about the pre-trading environments. Now we're, we're we're getting right up to it, and you've got a couple of different you know factors in play. One, you're going to start to see, I think, an acceleration of mainstream media coverage around this particular event because we've seen a leg up in pricing. Jeffrey's uh, chief strategist just came out earlier oh, yeah, today so, yeah. um, with uh, with with a you know, pretty crazy recommendation to uh, to you know buy Bitcoin ahead of the having. Um, I have a feeling in light of the, the macro backdrop and everything that's happened with, with you know, Fed and fiscal st uh, stimulus that, that this is going to get some legs and we might be in the meme part of the cycle. Um, what are you looking at as key indicators around the, um, the futures curve, the, the, the lending you know, rates and, and, and funding rates, um, even maybe the derivatives? I know, I, I think you know, uh, these are probably still uh, too illiquid. Uh, for a veteran trader to actually uh, dabble in, uh, talk about things like Darabits and, and and what have you. But um, what what are the the KPIs and kind of key dislocations that you're looking for, or or at least aware of going into the next couple of weeks? Yeah, so that, I mean, we do we do trade the ball products. Um, so I mean, I, I I tend to think the most important thing to pay attention to in crypto at any given time is like what the aggregate leverage is and like which direction it's skewed. Um, that being said, like, I, like, look, like, so the whole rally up was like under owned in the sense that like you you had backwardation in the curve and you had perp funding consistently going to the longs and like the lending market with Genesis, like mirrored basically the same thing as like the curvature in, um, crypto. A great thing for all your viewers, for people who are long crypto and like, don't care about triggering tax events. Um, when the curve goes backwardated. You can effectively, as long as you're willing to take exchange exposure, make free crypto with your crypto, if that makes sense, right? So if you got 100 Bitcoin, you can deposit it on an exchange, you can buy the back of the curve, you can sell spot, and then you can like collect that premium, which will net you free Bitcoin. And, and, and buying and, and backwardation, buying the back of the curve refers to the futures curve. Right, so, right, exactly. Um, so like, I mean, it, it's some work, but like you'll get free yield on it and you'll trigger tax things. So like, that's like an, obviously an individual, you could trigger a tax loss maybe, I don't know. But like, it's, it's an interesting thing that doesn't happen a lot in crypto, but you get a couple shots at it every year. 
it was really backwardated at the bottom. Like when the world was like falling apart and like Mex mm-hmm. was just about to like pull the plug, like June was, I don't know, like 10, 12% under spot, which is wild. That same contract, right? So that thing went from going, what did I say, like 30% annualized to, I don't know, what does that like work out to? Like 60% negative, right? Like it swung massively. Like it just mm-hmm. went from max bullish to max bearish in four days. Yeah. So, yeah. But like that's, so anyway, we look a lot at what the curvature looks like. It's like a direction of like where stuff's going. Um, the, and that will tell you a lot like what's going on in the cash markets versus what's going on in like the levered markets, those like interplays between each other. Um, um, so I guess like what else is important? Like, so realized vol was really low and implied vol is even lower, like a week, actually like three days ago. So before this big mm-hmm. pop and like run up, um, it was like, I think, I think we bought some at the money straddles at like a 40 vol, like really cheap stuff. Um, Bitcoin, like historically is like a 65, give or take. And like for people who don't trade vol, like implied vols are just like a measure of how volatile something's going to be. So like, yeah, and, 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 and compare that to like uh, a, a big tech stock. Like a big tech stock will probably be like a 20 or like mm-hmm. when the world is falling apart, they're probably like forties and fifties, but like, I don't know, 2025 is probably like a fair number, like depending for it, like a real big S and P stock is probably like a 15 or something like that. Yep. And Bitcoin is like consistently a 60, which is pretty volatile. And like a currency will be like single digits. Um, but like forties is really low. Um, and then obviously like popped up, but like in general, like people have been really excited about selling ball, meaning like they think the world's going to be less volatile going forward, which is interesting. So it's like sort of pricing in a having that's going to be, or at least it was like, they've obviously popped up. We'll see where they baseline back going into the event, but that like the world post the having isn't going to be that crazy. Um, mm-hmm. at least implied, um, which I, I think is probably right. Like, I think it's not like it happens and then everybody's like, Oh my God, I got to trade. Right. Like it, these, their gradual effects are going to take a couple months to play out. There yeah. might be some like shocks around like miners that have to chuck some inventory, but like you had this big flush, right? Like you had the market trade down so fast, so quickly that like any of those like miners that were like massively levered or like had positions that they shouldn't be holding, like they chucked them. They like puked it. Like it happened. We like had the big flush. So we'll see how that plays on the back half of it. And mm-hmm. like supply will be less. Um, one, one thing that's interesting, you know, people talk about the Bitcoin halvings as if they're, um, something that, that happened in, in isolation, but we know, we know that there are uh, a handful of other assets that have gone through the same thing. So, um, Bitcoin cash, obviously, right. On a relatively similar cycle to Bitcoin, um, Litecoin, uh, has had a couple of halvings, uh, and, um, maybe, you know, most notably, um, because of the era in which it was born and, and kind of the liquidity it has right now, it might be Zcash is having coming up later this year. Um, how have you how have you thought about those other halvings? I mean, do they even register or is it just so Bitcoin dependent and narrative dependent that it's it's you know too liquid to really care one way or the other? Um, so BCH and BSV, so the way I think it pl- so well, I'll start at them like in order. So Litecoin's having got bid really. So like that one was one where like, there wasn't a lot else going on at the time. So like a lot of traders piled into that thing and it had a huge run up and then it basically just got like shocked right into it. Right. 
and, and you'll see this like with a lot of things like the Litecoin having in particular, like it wasn't a ton of change in the supply. And like, which I would also say about like the Bitcoin one, it's not as, it's not like you're seeing a massive reduction, but um, like it mattered in the sense that like it was something coming out of it, but like traders really ran that thing up and then like chucked it on the backside. So it was like a very, I wouldn't say it was like this core, like, trade that was going on with like supply and demand imbalances. It was like a real, like, we're going to run this thing up and then we're going to like chuck it kind of thing. And it was like mm -hmm. a hot potato that people were trying to play around with. So that was kind of how, and then, so like people look at that Litecoin one and then they get really bearish the Bitcoin one. But like the difference is like Bitcoin has monster issuance every day. And like, it has a huge supply and demand like balance that's going on. There's a ton of money going in versus like Litecoin, which is needs to garner less, but it's like a lot harder to get. So like, I don't, I don't view that as like, oh, this is like definitely what's going to happen um, on Bitcoin. BCH and BSV. So I think the way it was is BCH went first and then BSV was like two days later. Um, I don't know. There's some like wonkiness with like how the blocks got like mined in the beginning. But um, I mean, they ran up like the two days before and then they basically were like flat after. Like they didn't get crushed, but they also didn't like have a ton of bit. And like, I think these are like other ones where it's hard because there, it's unclear there's enough demand in the market currently to eat half of it, let alone the whole previous block reward subsidy. You know, like those things are a lot hard. Their demand side looks way more volatile than Bitcoin or Ether do. So like that makes it a lot less relevant in terms of that being said, like I will bet you money if like there's any sudden interest in either of those in like a short period of time they're going to move up a lot faster because like, it's going to be a lot, there's less bullets to get thrown at it at any given time. If that makes sense. Right. Like you get this weird sort of like gap risk to the upside because like the inventory to like shoot down gets less. But that being said, you still need people to like cross and be looking to like buy it. Um, on the Zcash one, the Zcash one is a little more interesting because it's bigger, right? Like it's their first block reward subsidy. So it cuts down a percentage of the inflation as a lot. So like that one has the potential, but again, it's hard. Like, is there enough to eat? like half the Zcash inflation versus like the full reward. Like it's unclear. Like that one's going to be another one where like, what's like the true baseline demand of this thing that's sitting around, but you definitely mm -hmm. get the same thing where there's like gap risk to the upside after it. The, the problem with like a lot of these two is like, it's like BCH and BSV. Like there was a lot of like having coming, like it's the big thing. And then it happens and it's like, all right, what's next, right? Like, what's, what am I looking forward to on this like asset class? Like, why am I holding it? So like you, you lose a little bit of that. Cause you can't be like, well, there's another one in four years. Like, all right, well, like that's like not going to keep anybody's attention. So you lose definitely some eyeballs on that side of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's uh, there's, there's kind of one um, chart that's floating around now um, that, you know, as we're recording this is the first of May, um, you know, Bitcoin, uh, a, a, traders will look at moving averages uh, quite a bit. It's, you know, uh, you look at everything, right? But but one of the ones that's that's you know most interesting right now. If you look at a yearly moving average, um, we're about to break our all time high uh, for for Bitcoin. Which I don't know how you think about like stats like that. Um, if they're just kind of like oh, it makes for an interesting headline, but but you know there's not much signal there, or, or you know how you actually think about things like moving averages and 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 how they kind of tie back to the the sea change of price trends or if it's if it's just kind of a nothing backward looking um nice right headlines about but not, yeah. a, not a real good leading indicator 
I would say it's useful in the sense that other people find it useful. So like we ourselves like do not look at it and like draw a bunch of lines and be like, we think this is like a resistance point and all that jazz. But like that being said, we're cognizant that like a large portion of the trading community does pay attention to these things. So like we definitely pay attention to them as well. We look at them as more as like inflection points for like ball. Like if like, let's say like ball is pretty cheap and there's like some giant wedge or something like that's coming up. Like, I don't necessarily know what that means about price action. And like, you'll a lot of times see like people with the same like event on some TA thing happening and it like will have different results. But what we tend to assume is like, all right, this thing's going to probably do something. So like we can bet on that as like an event that we think will happen. Um, and then like, we'll, depending on like, if we think there's like a large imbalance of like people that would be looking to do something like we may position ahead of it, but like directionally, like we don't use it a lot. And like I said, like, this is the thing with Bitcoin is like, it's just gone up. So like all of your like backtesting of any of your TA stuff is going to be like, well, it goes up after. And it's like, all right, like, yeah, cause it's gone up. Like it's just, this is all circular. Mm -hmm. um, well, it, there's, there's some merit to it, right? Because, um, because currencies don't have valuations, right? They're, they're price not valued um, mm -hmm. to, to use the shorthands because, um, you don't have any kind of fundamental drivers uh, like earnings. Uh, yeah, that, but you have central that, bank right? action, you have like policy, you have like government. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I would say that like trading Forex, not that I've ever done in any like large capacity, but like, I would say those things have probably the most, mm -hmm. like way more than earnings, right? Like they have all kinds of stuff that can like give exogenous shocks to it. Well, I mean, my, my, my point being that with currencies, um, narratives matter, right? I mean, all currencies are just a confidence game. So the, the meme matters more going into the having this kind of quantitative hardening or the fact that, um, you know, X number of holders are, are above water. There are all these other softer ways to kind of assess the relative positioning, um, not just of, of the currency, the protocol, but the community of holders that are currently um, bought in to this narrative um, that you know should help people understand you know where the where the trajectory is because you know th th this isn't like December of uh, 2017 right now like the the slow and steady groundswell you're seeing accumulation you're seeing more addresses with 0.1 Bitcoin with one Bitcoin with 10 Bitcoin right um, and it, it's been this kind of gradual process um, through which people have have you know kind of prepared for this moment it it, it would be Difficult to imagine uh, as a layperson the uh, the having hitting and then they're just being kind of like a, a market sell order, right? Like the, the traditional sell the news event because it feels like people are going to be waiting for this meme to play out and that creates more holding and, and it, it kind of uh, just snowballs from there. Well, there's definitely, there's definitely a bunch of people who are like bearish post the having because they think there's going to be like minor capitulation. Mm -hmm. um my like big argument against that has just been like i think they already capitulated and i think they already got like stomped out um so i i, I there's definitely people that have like the counter thoughts still right like this is going to be like bad for a while before it gets good like it's weird like i don't know i used to always like laugh when like you see like some analyst come on and he's like we think the stock's going to go down 20 percent, then it's going to go up to new all-time highs and it's like that's just like not useful information to me it's like you're like basically just hedging all of your bets with like what you're saying. So like people who do this with like crypto, I find it the same way. They're like, we think it's like, I think it's going to trade to 7,800 and then it's going to go to 11. I'm like, 
all right. So then like, you're just like telling me nothing. There's nothing of value here. You're just like guessing a random path that you like think might be able to like, you could go back and say, Oh, like it was going to happen anyway. You know, like, I don't know. I find that like sort of like trading like thesis stuff, like weird. Um, and I find a lot of TA is like that in the sense that they're just like, everything is double speak a little bit of like what can or can't happen. Um, like, I, like, I get, I think at the end of the day, it's like, it is bullish as you said, but like, it's going to depend a lot on like how much was baked into the system on leverage going into that event. That's going to potentially need to unwind. And I think it's very little because I think all of that leverage got sucked out already. Which is good news. Which is good. Yeah. I mean, look, you, what you don't want is you don't want to rally on people leveraging, especially when they're like doing it on their crypto holdings up the entire way. Right. Like that's, that's bad in the sense because that's all got to unwind. Mm -hmm. Um, what's good in the sense is if you have like a true cash market bid where there's like excess demand moving into the system, which I think you've largely had over the last month and a half, I think that's, that's stable. That's good. That's like better. And that will be a lot better if you start putting down the supply as well. So I don't, I mean, look like we're bullish the back half of this thing. Like we think it's like net overall good. Like, do I think the day of it'll like trade up? Like I have no idea, but like, I don't think it's going to be like, suddenly like everyone decides they have to do something. I don't know. Like there's, there's not a ton of people over the last month that haven't like hit some price target that they were probably had in their head. Right. Especially yep. on the downside. Yep. Absolutely. Um, well, it's going to be fun watching it with you. I'm sure we'll be texting and, and tweeting and, and, yeah. and telegramming back and forth. But um, the night. yeah. Right. Uh, but you know, it's worth staying up for sometimes. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, definitely going to do it. I just would be way more clutch, like 1130 AM. <laughs> um, well, hopefully the, the miners do the work just to triangulate on that sweet spot for us. Yeah. Um, we'll see what I can do. Uh, Dan, um, always a pleasure. And thank you for, uh, for, for joining us for this. Um, hopefully this was a good one-on-one on markets history. Dan is an nice. encyclopedia of knowledge. On, um, on all things havings related and major uh, price action related, particularly uh, with, of course, the last few months because it's most recent, but uh, just in general. So hope you all enjoyed this special edition of Unqualified Opinions with someone whose opinion is very much qualified uh, for some mind. So thanks again, man. And for everybody Anytime. that's listening, that's watching, be good, stay safe. Until next time, peace. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. New episodes of Unqualified Opinions go live weekdays at noon Eastern time. You can follow me in the meantime on Twitter at 2BitIdiot if you want to continue the conversation or troll me. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.